The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, the quantedge.com, great daily fantasy sports website. They started off with football. They've hit the basketball market by storm, and now they're working on baseball. they got content out there every day of the week from some talented, talented writers. they got some tools they're working on, and if you want to go try it out, use promo code Bubba. It gets you $25 off the season pass. Get your first month of all sports. It includes your NBA playoffs for $19.99, or get a five-day trial for $5. So go check it out, thequantedge.com, promo code Bubba. If you like playing daily fantasy sports and you haven't tried the awesome site Draft, go check it out now. It's draft.com. Drafting your app store is a great way to play fantasy sports. They started out with the snake-style drafts, just the way you like them in your season-long teams, but it's for daily. And you don't have to worry about ownership because you're the only guy that owns them. So it's absolutely awesome. So go check out Draft.com, Drafting your app store. Use the snake-style drafts, the auction drafts, or even do some best ball drafts. And if you're new to draft, use promo code SD Sports. SD as in dog sports when you check out for a free entry into a $3 tournament of your choice. So go to Draft.com, Drafting your app store, promo code SD Sports. Last but not least, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It would really, really help the podcast grow and get better and better. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 171, with our good friend James Anderson of Rotowire, talking prospects, prospects, and more prospects, especially to get you ready for this fab craziness weekend. back everybody to another episode of bench the bubba episode 171 it's been a wild wild time in the world of prospects around fantasy baseball in order to break it all down and get you ready for your fab weekend i got a good guest for the podcast rejoining the show you can find his work over at rotowire.com on twitter at real jr anderson james anderson how you doing man great uh great to be on with you again bubba uh yeah it's been a whirlwind of a week but happy to happy to do the pot yeah thank you thank you uh for joining it's always fun chatting it up with you 
getting your knowledge on some of these guys that uh, at least for the most part, we actually might know some of these guys for once, but uh, you will definitely help us out in uh, navigating that minefield coming up uh, as everyone that is on Twitter knows by now it's going to be a wild and wacky fab weekend. So it should be quite intense. We'll get your thoughts on that when we get to the prospect call-ups. But before we get into all this, uh, what do you got going on over there at Rotowire these days? A lot of stuff. Uh, just finished a big update of the top 400 prospect rankings. And that's, it's, it's one of my favorite full updates of the season because we finally have a large enough sample uh, to start kind of making some significant movements with, with guys that are really off to great starts or guys that maybe appear to have hit a bit of a wall uh, at a new level. And there were a lot of graduations, stuff like that. So we added about 55 prospects to the top 400. And we also added uh, minor league hard hit data which I think we might be the only place that has that. And it's been really cool. I, I honestly haven't had that much time to, to poke around with it because we've only had it on the site for a couple of days. But, uh, yeah, it's, you get hard hit, medium hit, soft hit stuff on all the minor league guys. And then it's just it's draft prep for me uh, right now. The, like, as soon as I finish the top 400 update, it's just going to be draft prep for me for like the next three weeks. Drafts on June 3rd. And then after that, there'll be another big update to the top 400. So it's just been been pretty crazy. Yep, no sleep in the world of James Anderson and that prospect information. I'll have to go check out that hard hit rate. Looking forward to that. I didn't even I'd somehow miss that one along the week because I've seen all the other stuff you've been doing. The others over there at Roto Wire somehow missed that one. But uh, James also does the weekly prospect podcast with uh, Clay Link, and uh, they do Sirius XM. And you guys have an MLB Network radio show. So you are a busy, busy man there, James. Um, let's get into some recent news before we hit the prospect world. Miguel Andahard, it's become official now. We've kind of hinted at it in recent episodes. He's undergoing season-ending shoulder surgery. Um, what's your thoughts on Miguel Andujar more in a prospect or like a, a dynasty perspective? He's still so young, but these are kind of nasty injuries. What's your kind of thoughts on that? Yeah, it's definitely not great. I think that there's been, uh, I believe, I think Greg Bird had the same procedure. Uh, could be mistaken about that, but I mean, obviously he's never really bounced back and, yeah, it's not great if you're a hitter. There was a reason why they wanted to try to see if they could go the non-surgery route. And obviously you're not cutting him loose in any dynasty leagues, but I, I do think this is a decent ding on his value. I mean, he's he's certainly was a guy that was very valuable coming into the season. And yeah, I mean, he, he's just not that, uh, you know, he, he's still a valuable commodity, but he's, just, he's not really a building block to me anymore. We still have to kind of wait and see how he comes back. Gotcha, gotcha. So wait and see with Miguel Andujar. Uh, this could be a quickie, but Kendrick Morales, if you believe in StatCast data and X stats on, on Baseball Savant, he's actually performing quite a bit, and people are believing the short porch in Yankee Stadium will help with that. What kind of league, if any, would you be interested in adding Kendrick Morales now that he's a member of the New York Yankees? I've made uh, I've made some pretty uh, – like some like $1 bids – in some deeper mix leagues already just some kind of a uh, cursory bids and i i think he could be pretty useful for for a month or six weeks or something like that until they get back to full strength i i think it's a kind of a dream fit for him he's sort of been the 
the guy that continues to underperform his XStat data uh, over the past couple seasons. So maybe there's just something about it that that's kind of missing on him. But I, I like the fit. I think he's going to play a lot, at least in the short term. So I'm not I, – I think he's addable in, in deeper mixed leagues for sure. Yeah, I'm glad we're kind of on the same page there. I think deeper mixed leagues is the key part there. But, you know, corner infield with all these injuries these days, even utility role, that short fortune right is going to be a beautiful thing for Kendris. Like this could be kind of the get well – get well formula for him for at least a little bit. Uh, wait and see if you choose, but it could be quite interesting there with Kendrick Morales going to the Yankees. Uh, Travis Shaw goes to the IL. It's uh, been a rough year for Travis. There were hints at injuries. We didn't know for sure. You are up there in uh, the Madison area, so you're close to Milwaukee. Maybe you're hearing more than others, but we'll, we'll get to the other part of him going on the IL a little later. What's your thoughts on Shaw? Because, you know, I kind of think maybe this is a, you know, take some time to get your mind right, but are you concerned about anything else with Travis Shaw? Well, I would I'd like to think that he was dealing with something all season because he just looked overmatched uh really since opening day uh you know against some against some pretty bad righties he would look okay but I mean he just could not square up lefties at all and was getting blown away by by better righties so I'd like to believe that it was injury related but I'm not so sure if if all of that was and you know in shallower leagues I I wouldn't, you know, I, it, it would kind of suck to cut a guy loose that you probably lose to, used like a seventh or eighth round pick on. But I think in, in shallower leagues, you could you could cut bait at this point. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm almost to the point of saying even like 12 team leagues, he's yeah. almost there. Like I think there's there's going to be viable options, I think, with at least equal potential or better that you might be able to go grab on the waiver wire. So it sucks. Like you said, it's so hard to get rid of those guys you give up those early picks for, but I'm with you. He's he's close, really close. So, I don't know. Hopefully he comes back and makes it interesting on the Brew Crew for the moves they've made recently and makes some, some fine decisions there. But, yeah, Shaw's out for a little bit. Uh, Minnesota Twins, they've been red, red hot. you got Mitch Garver going to the IL, who's been a, a catcher out of surprise for many, many people. And Miguel Sano's back. Uh, Garver will be back soon. But Sano coming back, what's kind of your thoughts on Miguel Sano? Because we know the power potentials there. We just haven't seen him put it together very often. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty close to out on Miguel Sano. Even in even in a dynasty league, if someone was trying to trade him to me, I would just I would not make a very competitive offer for him. I I think his work ethic is is shaky at best, and obviously the physical issues of his body kind of breaking down. It's it's happened a lot quicker than you would have expected, and I think part of that is just that he doesn't take that good a care of himself and even when he's at full health, he, he strikes out a ton. And, uh, you know, I think the the type of stuff he gives you, power, terrible batting average, that's just, I, I don't know what type of format that's all that valuable in. So I'm I'm just not that big of a fan anymore. Yeah, and he's and the part I don't like about it right now is we're already seeing the, the pinch I was worried about is Ostadio is taking a, a seat on the bench tonight as to knows back in the lineup. And I was kind of worried about that with uh, him coming back. I'd love to see Williams out there as much as possible. But, uh, yeah, that's something we we'll want to deal with for a little bit. He's just a couple of quick hitters. We don't have to go too deep on these. But Zach Granke getting an MRI. He left after he threw a pitch last night. He was dealing, threw a pitch, didn't throw another one after that. Something in his oblique area, getting an MRI there. Uh, Animal Sanchez going on the IL after a start today. Um, a couple prospects, though, real quick thoughts I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez got optioned back. 
do you, what are your thoughts on him? Because I liked what I saw when I saw him in Fresno when he was with the Astros. We've seen glimpses of stuff being okay in the bigs, but this consistency has not been there for Teoscar. No, it hasn't. And he's he's another one that grades out pretty well on the uh, batted ball data that we have, and it just hasn't really come together for him. And I, to me, even as a prospect, I sort of viewed him as a guy that could mash lefties off the bench. I uh, just didn't really see him hitting enough against righties to be a, a full-time player. And, uh, yeah, it's it just hasn't gone all that well for him, and that, that might be an understatement. Uh, I, I'd probably be okay cutting him in a dynasty league, to be honest. In a dynasty league? Oh, big, big, big. I like that. All right. Uh, the other prospect thing I wanted to ask about is Malik Smith was activated today from the IL. I personally think it's worth going to Alex Smith wherever you can just to see that steals upside. But in return, Shed Long got sent back down. I, I don't think we were long for seeing Shed up here this go around. But what's your overall thoughts on Shed? Because he, he seems to be having a good year in AAA. Uh, do you think we see him again this year? Or is this more like a next year thing for maybe dynasty people? I think Shed profiles best as a, a good utility player off the bench long term. And that's you know, I, I've met Chad. I've I've interviewed him. He's a really, really cool guy. He's he's really introspective about the game, but I just don't see enough impact with the bat for him to be an ev- everyday player at second base. I mean, the the offensive bar there has just continued to to go up and up and up every year. And yeah, I mean, he he's a guy that I think could be capable of moving around in multiple positions, but I just I don't see him hitting enough uh, to start on a good team, maybe on the Mariners, he could start for a year or two as they're kind of in this mini rebuild, but uh, sort of a borderline top 200 prospect for me. Okay. No problem. I will keep an eye on shed. All right. Let's get to what many might consider the fun part of the show today. The recent prospect call-ups because um, you guys as prospect analysts do a great job of keeping us in the loop. And it seems like as the ever evolving world of baseball, especially fantasy baseball changes, we are much more aware of these prospects thanks to guys like yourself and the Welsh and all, all you other great prospect guys. And we get really excited now when we hear about these guys. And it's been a heck of a week for it. Like you said earlier, you've been quite busy with all the questions. And I can only imagine. Um, we'll go through the, the call-ups. Um, if you have like a, an idea about kind of where you see him going fab-wise or we can save all that towards the end, that's fine. It's up to you. But we'll start with Austin Riley. Uh, crushing it this year. I thought there was a chance we'd see him last year. Didn't really work out when they signed Josh Thompson. I got really concerned. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Well, he's up now, and he already went deep in his first game last night. What's your overall thoughts on Austin Riley? And also with these guys, can you kind of? You'll never know, but can you give kind of an estimate? Do you think they stick or not? Type long term, Riley's a stud. I mean, he's a guy that I think uh, could hit fourth or fifth in a really good big league lineup. Uh, 30-plus homer upside pretty easily, a guy that's going to hit uh, you know, maybe 270 with uh, decent on-base skills. I didn't necessarily see this coming. I'll, I obviously didn't see the endurance the Arte injury coming, which is part of the reason why he's up. Um, I think it's it's kind of a situation – and I don't want to get uh, go overboard with the, that home run. I mean, Carter Keeboom hit a home run, I think, in his first game too, and uh, we saw sure. what happened after that. But, but Riley is a – is a better prospect than Keyboom for fantasy. I, I think I've got him ranked 15, 16 spots higher than Keyboom. He's also more big league ready. Like, as you alluded to, he was knocking on the door last year. He's, he already had 
like 30 games at AAA under his belt coming into the year. He obviously really improved this year, uh, cut the strikeout rate by almost 10%, I think, uh, versus what he did last year. So I think he's, he's big league ready. He's earned this. And I think he's probably up for good as long as he doesn't just have a horrible uh, start to his pro or his big league career. I think that it, it sort of makes sense just given how Inciarte's uh, offensive chops seem to have kind of really fallen off over the past year and a half or so. It might make sense to sort of have a four man outfield rotation once Inciarte's healthy, where you're you're starting Riley most days, you're starting Acuna every day, you're starting Marcakis, you know, four or five days a week. You're giving Josh Donaldson at least one maintenance day a week where Riley can start at third base, and you're using Inciarte as a defensive replacement. That's sort of how I see this going as long as Riley holds up his end of the bargain and hits. Uh, really excited about him. I mean, he just. He totally looks the part of one of those old school third basemen that just hits fourth or fifth in a lineup and bangs out a ton of home runs. And yeah, it's it's exciting. He's a guy that I would not be worried about getting aggressive on. I mean, there's a chance that he struggles and goes back down, but I think there's a better chance that he has a, a really solid season. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I remember last year, like in TGFBI and stuff, I was taking speculative bids on him when we were on the NFBC, which it's a whole different conversation in itself. I like it because it's the way it's formatted, but you know how it is. If you want to stash prospects, it'd be nice to stash them early, but um, it, it makes it more fun for weekends like this. But yeah. I thought Riley should have been up last year. So I'm hoping he sticks. Uh, like you said, just don't overthink the home run because Keebum, I think he had two homers in his first four games. And then he just basically went quiet after that. Um, so anything can happen as a Giants fan. I remember guys like Bowker, uh, John Bowker, who had like six home runs in a month and he never heard of the guy again. So anything's possible. But, um, yeah, Austin Riley, really fun. Let's go to the guy that uh, when Travis Shaw went on the IL, the chain reaction. And this is something I honestly was, again, similar to, to Riley. When they signed Mike Moustakis, I thought Keston Hara had no chance of coming up. Like, I thought it was done for the year. Well, baseball happens. And we get Keston now. He had a couple knocks in his first game. Super talented at the plate. What's your outlook on Keston Hara? How do I properly say his name? It's it's Hira, and he, you know, he's extremely talented. I've got him ranked tenth right now on the top four hundred, so he's the highest ranked guy that's available to bid on this week. And it's kind of a similar deal with Riley. Like as long as Hira at least treads water, he holds his own against big league pitching. I think he's probably up for good. But, you know, it's only been 14 plate appearances, but he's got a 36% strikeout rate right now. So it's not been the smoothest of transitions against big league pitching. That doesn't mean that he can't turn it around. And uh, maybe it's a blessing for those of us that are going to try to bid on him in fab that maybe the, the numbers won't look that great on Sunday afternoon. But, I mean, this is a guy that has uh, just a really good hit tool, uh, People were questioning his power potential coming into the year. He, you know, part of it's the triple A ball, the environments he was playing in, but I think he he answered a lot of those questions uh, with what he was doing at triple A. I think he's a guy that could be a, a future number two, number three hitter that, that hits 25 plus homers, hits around 285, something like that. And in that lineup, in that ballpark, uh, that could just be 
all kinds of counting stat fun. And I think to me, he's the guy that I would probably bid the most on in just in a vacuum if, if everything's equal, just because I think he's the best prospect of all these guys. And therefore, I think he's probably got the best chance to stay up all season and be really productive. Yeah, I'm looking forward to him getting the uh, hopefully full-time role. Like you're saying, hopefully he sticks. as super, super talented, and he's one of those prospects that could give you, like, Riley to me, and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, Riley's going to be like that power guy with an okay average, so he can help your power numbers. Hira is going to be a tremendous batting average asset. Like, it's hard to find that on the waiver wire throughout a baseball season. So the average bump is going to be tremendous. Uh, the Cleveland Indians were busy. They finally made a call that I know you prospect guys were asking for for a while. Oscar Mercado uh, getting the, the call up to the bigs. And this is a speedster that can uh, get it done. And, again, Cleveland really has no excuse not to play him, but they might find excuses. What's your thoughts on Mercado? Yeah, he's he's a little older. He's 24. And I think that he's very interesting just because of the stolen base upside, like he could steal 20 plus bases the rest of the way. And that's probably, I don't know, 12 more than any of these other guys are going to steal. But I also think that there's, you know, the, the hit tool, you know, it's to be determined. I don't, I don't think it's that great. I think he's probably like a 45 hitter. So I think there's going to be a lot to be desired with, the batting average over a full season. He does have some, he does have a little, a little bit more pop than meets the eye. Uh, so I think that there's, there's a chance he could get to double digit home runs if he were to play every day, but it's, it's kind of one of those. And, and it's, is good because he's on the same team as this guy now, but it's kind of like an old, like back in uh, Leonis Martin's early years where you were sort of expecting like a 245 average with 20 plus homers and like 12 home runs or, uh, 25 plus steals, 12 home runs. I mean, that's that's kind of his upside. I, I don't really see him ever hitting for uh, a super high average, but it's it's all about the steals with Mercado. If you need stolen bases, he's probably going to be one of your best chances all season to to get some impact stolen bases off the waiver wire. Uh, but I also think there's a chance that he just struggles and scuffles all season against big league pitching. So. High risk, high reward, uh, and he's going to be pretty pricey because I think a lot of people are going to have backup bids on him where they just kind of don't want to get shut out on everyone. And so I think it's going to probably take more of a bid than maybe the talent dictates it should this this week. Yeah, I think we're going to see that with some of these, uh, a handful of these guys. Like Riley and Hira, that makes sense. Like they're game changers if they make it work. And uh, the risk is always there, but not as high. But a guy like Mercado could be interesting. Uh, I was talking with someone the other day about Mercado, and the comp might be off overall talent-wise, but just from a fantasy viewpoint, from what like we saw last year, could you kind of go out and say that Mercado could be this year's Alberto Mondesi when it comes to like coming up, steals upside, like you said, might not find another guy. I, I looked at just their stat lines. If there's no names, I see similarities, but Mondesi's blowing me off the table this year. So can you see any resemblance between the two? Uh, no, I mean, that comp's a little rich for me. I mean, Mondesi was always like, I mean, he was a guy that I, 
I'd been on for a couple years before last year. It's just like, if this guy can just, if Alcides Escobar can just get out of the way, like he's going to steal a billion bases and he's got this extreme bat speed and uh, just pedigree for days. Like you could dream on the tools a lot more. I mean, I, I think Mercado, Mercado's a, a plus runner. He's aggressive on the bases, but he's not the type of base stealer that Mondesi is. And he doesn't have the type of power Mondesi does. I think as just pure hitters, there's some similarities where you, you could see Mercado not be a good on base guy, hit for, for a middling average. Uh, but I, I think Mondesi is just so much more electric, uh, such a higher ceiling than than Mercado so maybe he's a poor man's Mondesi in in a best case scenario but it's just the the tools don't really match up to me okay that's why I asked uh let's go to Mondesi's teammate Nicky Lopez gets the call for the Kansas City Royals big on base guy he's already you know doubled in back-to-back games he's been productive hitting out of the the two hole already for the Kansas City Royals so they're getting him out there and they're making it work for now it feels like if they're that aggressive with him right now and he's producing, he might stick. What's your overall thoughts on Nicky Lopez? So of every single prospect we're going to talk about, I think he's the best bet to stay up all season. But I also think he has the lowest ceiling of these guys. <laughs> uh, that that probably says as much about the Royals. Sums up the Royals. Yeah. <laughs> does Nicky Lopez, but... I think there's there's no question that, to me that he's up for good. I think him and Mondesi are going to be their double play duo for a long time. Uh, the trouble with a guy like Lopez, he he does have you know he he could steal ten bases over the rest of the season, which is nothing. I mean, every team could use a guy that's going to steal ten bases, but uh, he's really going to have to hit for a, a pretty high average, I think, to be startable in even 15 team mixed leagues because there's not going to be much power there. It's, it's gap power. It's nice that he's hitting high in that lineup, but to me, he's kind of like, it's kind of like a poor man's Luis Urias. And I know, you know, that some people love Urias. Some people think he's really boring, but uh, I mean, it, it, I, it's tough for a guy like the best way for Lopez to be valuable is just over a full season where you're just getting all 88 of his runs and you're getting um, the full value of like a, a 285, 290 batting average. So over just, you know, three quarters of a season, that becomes a little less valuable because you might be talking about four or five home runs with eight or nine steals. And then you really need the batting average to be up there. So I'm not even going to bid on him in, in 15 team mixers. I just, there's guys on my bench that I would prefer to roll out there, but uh, if you're just if all you were if all you're worried about is just a guy that's going to be up all season, I think he's he's the best bet to be up all season. That's an interesting way to break it down. I like that because yeah, I, I've never I've never been fully on board with the Luis Urias hype. I, I I get it, but like you said, there's nothing flashy when you're looking at it. The three guys above that we already talked about they have they offer something flashy if you need it to help your fantasy team, where uh, the others might not. So I guess if you want stability, like you're saying, you can go Nicky Lopez's route, but. Yeah, he's on the Royals as well, so it's not always the the best approach to take at times. But they are you know, surprising once in a while. All right, let's go to the mound for a couple guys here. Corbin Martin pitched last Sunday. was absolutely outstanding from what I saw, from the numbers I looked at. Uh, he's been tearing up the minors for the Houston Astros this season. What are we thinking with Corbin Martin? Because the Astros have so many options when it comes to pitching that it's just like you'd never be shocked if something changes. Yeah, you know, I I've – 
Well, first of all, I, I, I love Corbin Martin. He's inside my top 60. So it's not, this isn't just like a, a random mid rotation guy who we're kind of unsure about. I mean, this is a legit uh, top 60 pitching pro- or overall prospect, probably uh, top 15 or 20 pitching prospect in, in the game. And a, and a guy who I think has a decent chance to be a, top 40, maybe top 45 overall starting pitcher the rest of the way. So if you really need pitching, I could see a case for spending the most money on Martin. Like if, if you're pretty, if you're pretty well set up and down your lineup, then maybe Martin's the guy that you break the bank for, because I, I actually, I think he's going to be up all season. I know that they, you know, that's kind of been an Astros thing, especially coming into the year. Like they've just got all these arms, but Colin McHugh, in the bullpen, I don't really think he's going back to the rotation. Uh, Josh James, maybe it in the second half they stretch him out, but for now he's he's figured things out in the bullpen. Forrest Whitley's off to a slow start, so I don't think he's going to be up anytime soon. And you know, I think Brad Peacock in a in a lot of scenarios could move to the bullpen before the end of the season as well. So I think Martin honestly might be their third best fantasy starting pitcher the rest of the way. I like that. I'm glad you. I'm glad you break it down like that because I really liked what I saw from him. And you know, you get strikeout upside like that doesn't hurt being on a team that's going to likely give him tons of run support most starts. So fantasy wise, he brings a lot to the table there. And you know, he he, he threw what 90, 95 pitches or something. So they're not they're not really holding them back. We're seeing kind of that with a lot of guys this year. So uh, I'm a big fan of that uh, Corbin Martin call there. This one's kind of homerish, but I remember seeing him in San Jose a year or two ago, and he made his debut yesterday for the Giants. Sean Anderson is kind of a mixed bag of good and bad on his debut, but in, in a rather rough Giants farm system that's slowly getting better, he is their pretty much top pitching prospect. And he, in reality, there's no reason he shouldn't be here the rest of the year, but it's the Giants, and they're doing all kinds of weird things right now. But just what's your thoughts on Sean Anderson, and do you think he maybe sticks? I do. I, I've had him in my top 400 for about a year now. He's, he's I think, in like the 275 range right now. So, you know, doesn't have anywhere near Corbin Martin's upside. But I think he's going to be a solid, you know, number four starter in his, like, okay years. Maybe a low-end number three starter some years. And I just – I love the way he pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it just – it's easy to just kind of fall in love with the way he goes about his business. Now he might not have, uh, I mean, he might not have a single plus pitch to be honest, but he, I think he might have fifties and 55s kind of all over the repertoire. And uh, the, the appealing thing with Anderson is at the very least, I feel comfortable streaming him in his home starts. And if you're in a deep enough league where you can roster him all season and just start him when he's at home, I think it's it's worth bidding on him. I'm, I'm going to bid on him in some 15-team leagues this week for that reason. I might not start him. I think they're in Atlanta for his next start. Uh, but I, I I like him. I think he's a guy that might be one of the few value plays of all these prospects we're talking about because people just aren't really talking about him too much. Good. Yeah, we're on the same page there. Because I, I, I like what I've seen as he's come through. He even had a pretty decent spring with the Giants, but it's just kind of like, Everyone just poo-poos on the Giants farm system, which they've deserved for quite a while. But it's slowly building back up. Like, it's it's getting there. It's still got a long ways to go. Don't get me wrong. But, like, guys like Anderson, we obviously know Ramos and Bart, but they're hurt. There's there's promise coming. Uh, Tyler Beatty's up now. 
he's kind of that, you know, up and down type guy, but strikeout stuff's there, the overall control, maybe not so much, but um, I'm glad you're on the same page with Anderson there. Cause I think he's, he, he he's intriguing in a world where pitching is so bad. He, he's not worth a, he's worth a start. Cause going into the year, how many people talked to like Derek Collin and, and Jeff Samarja just because they pitched in, in AT&T park. Like it was a big deal. So I, I'm glad you like that Anderson as well. Uh, Willie Calhoun, everybody was drooling over him last year. He really never got it going. You know, he had some personality things going on with the team that is, is on the field. Wasn't there. He's already homered in back-to-back games since the call-up. We know his hit tools there. It's just a matter of finding a place for him to play right now. He's pretty much DHing for the Rangers. Um, Calhoun just adds to this list of possible talented young bats to, to bid on this week. What's your thoughts on Willie Calhoun with the Rangers? To me, he's kind of in between Mercado and Nicky Lopez in terms of, of where I'm bidding. Uh, you know, I wasn't really on him at all last year. I just, when a guy is that bad defensively, I tend to fade them unless they're just such an elite hitter that uh, that kind of is, is fine and a team can put up with it. But, I mean, he's he's really bad defensively. I think he's he obviously started his first game, I think, at DH. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's... That's probably where he gets most of his starts. Uh, I just I'm I'm worried about the playing time. I mean, Hunter Pence has been you know one of their two or three best hitters this year. Obviously, Nomar Mazara is going to play. Shinsu Chu is going to play. Joey Gallo is going to play, and then you're kind of running out of spots for for Willie Calhoun. So I I think there's upside if he plays. But I think it's also possible that he plays four days a week, maybe three days a week. So uh, there's there's just playing time risk. It's not demotion risk necessarily. It's just you're obviously not going to start a guy in a 15 team league if he's only playing three days a week. Uh, so I would I'd rather roll the dice on him than Nicky Lopez, who's going to play every day, just because I think Calhoun has a higher ceiling with batting average and home runs, but. I also would go into that bid knowing that I might be buying a part-time player and certainly guys can get hurt. Like Hunter Pence gets hurt and all of a sudden Calhoun's playing every day or Shinsu Chu gets hurt. All of a sudden Calhoun's playing every day, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how he does against big league pitching this time around. I doubt I'll bid enough to end up with him anywhere, but uh, I would rather bid on him than Nicky Lopez. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think the upside's, Pretty tremendous, but that's that's what I was saying earlier. That the biggest problem with Calhoun is playing time. Like just because even Ruben Odor hit two homers today. You got Danny Santana there. There's like so many places that people are playing right now and nowhere for him to go. I guess maybe some trades for the Rangers could help out there, but we'll see. All right, this one happened this morning. He should be playing tomorrow potentially. This one is aided by a Trevor Story injury because it's just a theme with prospects. I thought there was nowhere for him to go. They sent Garrett Hampson down the other day, but Brendan Rogers is coming up. This guy is amazing. I was lucky enough to see him two years ago in when their team came to San Jose before he got called up to double a, all he does is hit and he hits very, very well. What's your thoughts on Brendan Rogers? Cause for me, and you might you definitely have a better input than this. I am really concerned about him sticking. Oh, uh, well, for people that have followed my work, they will know that I've been probably the low man on Brendan Rodgers uh, for ever since I've been ranking prospects. I've probably ranked him lower than he's been ranked anywhere else. And he really, you know, it, it's 
probably attributable to a large extent to just the hitting environment at AAA right now, but he's really uh, exceeded my expectations in a return trip to AAA this year. He's walking uh, way, 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 way more than he has in the upper levels in the past. He's cut his strikeout rate in a big way. And as a result, he's moved up my rankings. I, I might still be the low man on him, but uh, you know, I think he earned this promotion. But I, I'm kind of with you in the sense that I just don't trust the Rockies to play anyone. I mean, I, I other other than Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, and Nolan Arenado, I don't know. I don't know who's safe on that team in terms of playing time. So. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think Rogers is an obvious upgrade over Ryan McMahon, but you know, I, I guess I, I should look at their schedule. I mean, if they if they had a road trip coming up or something like that, I could see Rogers really struggling, and then maybe they they send him back down. Um, just not. I know he's going to go for a ton because he's a Rockies hitter, and people love Rockies hitters. Uh, I would I would much prefer Kesson here, Austin Riley. Uh, I'd probably prefer Corbin Martin as well, but you know, Rogers could continue to prove me wrong this year and he could, if he stays up for good and he, the improvements he showed at AAA are legitimate and not just the product of that hitting environment down there. Uh, then yeah, maybe he ends up being a guy that, that wins people some leagues. I mean, he's got a, a very wide range of outcomes. Yeah. It's like you said, he's, he's going to probably platoon with Ryan McMahon or, um, you know, Daniel Murphy's platooning right now for crying out loud. Like they're platooning everybody. David Dawn Tapier platooning. There's just so many things to look at. And I just pulled up their schedule this week and they're in Philly for three. Then they have three at Pittsburgh next week, but the next weekend at home against Baltimore at home against Arizona for four after that, then at home against Toronto for three. I'd imagine Trevor story might be back by then, but if for some reason Rogers hits that 10 game or yeah, 10 game window in Coors against Baltimore's pitching staff and Toronto's pitching staff with Arizona sprinkled in, that could get interesting. Yeah, that'd be really so, tasty. You you definitely want to hope that he's up for that because you would you would imagine that if he's up for that whole homestand, he probably does enough damage to stay up. And he's a better defender. Definitely. I mean, he, he obviously was drafted as a shortstop. There's for, for a couple of years now it's been clear he wasn't gonna end up at shortstop long term. But at second base, he's a much better defender than Ryan McMahon. So you know, I, you know, McMahon's capable of playing all over the infield, uh, as is Rogers. Maybe McMahon. I mean, he, he hasn't been terrible this season, but maybe just the fact that he hasn't been that great uh, limits him to a util role. But again, I mean, this is the Rockies. Who the hell knows? Uh, it'll it'll take a brave person in every league to be the one that wins Brendan Rogers. Yeah, no doubt about it. Be real, real risky. Um, one other guy I wanted to ask about, and this doesn't have to be too deep, but, you know, J.P. Crawford was once a heralded prospect. He got dealt from Philadelphia to Seattle. He's still up there right now. He got called up when Shed got called up. Shed's back, but J.P.'s still there. He's pretty much playing every day. He's kind of platooning with Beckham. Beckham gets lefties. J.P. gets righties. But we, we saw some massive improvements with J.P. Crawford in, in AAA this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on him maybe sticking and kind of maybe turning into that prospect we were hoping for? Or is this kind of a, a temporary thing? Well, I think he sticks just because, you know, what's the point of sending him back to AAA? I mean, he's he's had multiple stints in the big leagues already. So I think they might as well just find out what they have in him this year over a 
over the rest of the season. It's big league pitching. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been a good, like a, a fan, a, a hitter that fantasy owners can get excited about uh, for a couple of years now. I mean, there, I thought it was kind of laughable back when places were ranking him as the number one prospect in baseball uh, back when he was still with the Phillies. Like, it's just, I mean, he's, he's decent at shortstop. He's not uh, amazing there. And he, he just hasn't made that much impact with the bat at double A AA or triple A. I know he, he did well this year, but everyone's doing well this year. Josh Van Meter sure. was uh, just tearing up triple A. Uh, Ty France is, is just, I mean, you add up Josh Van Meter and Ty France's homers at triple A, it's probably like 30 or something. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, everyone is killing it at triple A this year. Brendan Rogers is like another example where, I just don't know how real what he was doing is. I don't, I, I obviously was skeptical of what JP Crawford was doing. And uh, I mean, to me, he's, he's an AL only type of guy. Okay, cool. Uh, before we move on, just to kind of get a rough idea and you don't have to give all your secrets away, but you're kind of, from what I took on notes here, you're kind of looking at like Hira or Hira, Martin and Riley as like your top three you're kind of going after. And then the rest of them, it's backup bid type deals. Sure. Yeah. So I think I think you could argue that Hira, Riley, Martin, and even Rogers are kind of in the same sort of tier of where um, you know you could go over two hundred dollars or over twenty percent of your budget on all those guys. Um, and I, like I said, if if you need pitching, you don't need hitting that much. Then I wouldn't fault anyone for putting their highest bid on Corbin Martin. Uh, if I'm just looking for hitting, I'm putting my highest bid on Hira, then I'm putting my second highest bid on Riley, and then I'm going Rogers. And I think there's probably a smaller gap between Hira and Riley than between Riley and Rogers. Uh, I mean, those are the four guys where I think you can get really, really aggressive on. Uh, after that, it probably goes Mercado, Calhoun, Sean Anderson, Nicky Lopez. Uh, but those guys, I don't think I would go. Unless I really needed speed and just wanted to throw a Hail Mary at Mercado, I don't think I would go even 10% of my budget on any of those four. Awesome. Thanks for breaking it down like that. That's going to be super helpful because it's going to be a, a bloodbath this weekend in the fab world. I love every Monday. It's one of my favorite parts of my Monday's episodes is we pull up Smada's TGFBI sheet and we basically go over the most added guys, the most expensive guys, and he does a great job of you know, putting who took them so I can, I can, we can have some fun jabbing at some guys that went a little crazy or, or ask questions about it or whatever. So it's a ton of fun. And I cannot wait for this Monday because this might be the week we see like three for sure, maybe four or $500 plus guys. I like guess it's going to be crazy, absolutely crazy. And uh, the only thing that might stop that is we've already had so much spending already, but uh, it's going to be wild, pretty wild I, stuff. Well, I was going to ask you like how much, uh, how much do you have to spend in your in your TGFBI league? Off the top of my head, it's I think it's around six six eighty eight seven hundred something like that. You're um, a, it's been a you're a much better up? man than I am. I, I've got I've got around four hundred in the. It's in the not Champs, from lack of trying. In the Champs League, I've just been blowing fab like an idiot, and and part of it is uh, I started the year with the. Scooter Jeanette injury and Vlad Guerrero Jr. was the first hitter I took. So I just came into the year needing hitting and, and got aggressive there. But I mean, at, with the amount of money I have left, left, I really doubt I end up with any of the guys we're, we've been talking about. 
Well, that's why you'll end up with Sean Anderson, though, and that might be the kind of way to go. I, I've just, I've gotten lucky because, like, I, I had almost a three hundred dollar bet out there for Nate Lowe, but I was the one that was in the league with Matt Thompson that spent five twenty four for him. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's just kind of panned out where I've gotten lucky. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of like fifteen to forty dollar type guys to kind of mm-hmm. ride them while they're hot, fill in throughout the year, and knock on wood, it's working right now. But you know how that goes, so. Yeah, this week will be the week that I could probably blow some cash and hope it sticks. That's going to be the uh, the really, really interesting part. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. But $400, you can still make a little bit of a splash there. So I wouldn't completely <laughs> rule it out. That, that's for darn sure. And, that, and you're in you're in quite the competitive league there. The fact that all you champions are in there and, you know, it's a shark tank and there's a lot of you guys still in the top, you know, ex- like a pretty good group in the top overall right now. So it's it's, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, All right. that's it's it's been really really fun. It's it's the hardest league I've ever played in, and I mean Eddie Almaguer is he's a great player. He's in first place right now. Uh, I'm in third place, but there's there's three of us that are in the top uh, twenty of the overall top top sixteen of the overall, and it's just it's such a bloodbath, man. I mean I, I've never played in a league this hard. Yeah, and that's that's the other reason why I like going over the uh, the list Smada does because. The difference, like I've seen guys go from from two dollars to like three hundred dollars, like it's so insane the different prices from league to league. So, uh, and you guys, you guys definitely have some interesting moves, but it seems like you guys are way more disciplined than a lot of the leagues. It's really interesting watching your guys's your 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 league play out. Um, let's talk some recent demotions, just real quick hitters on this because I know I just mentioned Nate Lowe's name. He went for a lot of, of cash. I I have him in other leagues, didn't get him in TGFBI, but I have him like in the Bay Area League barf. Um, I'm holding him because I think he deserves to be back up. I think he's super talented. Just a quick thought. What's your thoughts on Nate Lowe and maybe potentially what we see from him the rest of the year? Yeah, I, uh, I'm probably going to actually bid on him. He was, he was thrown back in a, a couple of my NFBC leagues this past week. And I might just try to get low and let everyone else fight over the guys that just came back up. Because I, I agree with you. I think at a certain point, Probably in the first half, so we're probably talking maybe early June, something like that. I think he's back up, and he's back up to stay. And I think he's just got a ton of upside, uh, especially in the power department. I think he could, I think he could hit like twenty home runs in in half a season. I mean, he's just got huge power to all fields. And I don't, uh, you know, I don't fault the people. I know there's a lot of probably bitter owners out there that are, that hate themselves and, and hate the Rays for how much they spent on low and the fact that he got sent back down. But I, I don't think the process was that wrong on that one. I think he just kind of got screwed by just bad luck, bad, uh, bad timing and, and stuff like that. So I, if low got dropped in any 15 team mix league, I, I think he should be picked back up. Yeah, I'd, I'd be sniping that in a heartbeat. Uh, Carter Keboom, he came up. We already mentioned him a few times. You know, hit a couple home runs. Back down in AAA. You have him ranked 32nd. Brandon Rogers right behind him. Michael Chavis, two spots ahead of him. Do we uh, have any positive outlook on Keboom the rest of the year? I was honestly shocked they decided to bring him up. I figured if they wanted him, they would have brought him up right away. But they kind of waited. Trey Turner's rehabbing right now. So I don't know what the situation there was. Do you think we see Carter Keboom much the rest of the year? No, I was I was shocked too. I I thought that you know the fact that they uh, I don't I don't think anyone really likes his defense that much at shortstop. So I thought that that was going to be kind of an obstacle 
Um, you know, really troubling statistics from when he was up. And I'm not just talking about like his batting average, but uh, I think it was uh, Max Freeze on Twitter pointed out that he was like 0 for 20 against fastballs with eight strikeouts or something like that. Um, just not, not good at all. And I, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's back up until September. I think it's possible that he's back up at some point. You know, I think Brian Dozier's washed up, but maybe they're just willing to deal with that because he's a veteran and maybe he wants Trey Turner's back. It's just going to be a lot of Wilmer Defoe and Brian Dozier kind of taking turns at second base. Uh, but yeah, I, it, if I saw Carter Keyboom sitting out there in a 15-team mixer, I don't think I'd bid on him at this point. Okay. Uh, this next one's kind of, it's tough because a lot of them have come up this week and a lot of them that, you know, you had your, your stashing article a couple weeks ago on Rotowire and a lot of those guys are already here. So if, if, if you're in a league, unlike the NFBC and you can stash guys, not name Nate Lowe, um, what kind of guys are you, are you thinking about stashing? Cause anything can happen obviously, but you know, the Astros have their hot names and there's a few others, but who are you looking to stash if you can well, I, I think Jordan Alvarez should be owned in in every single format, <laughs> I don't, I, in le, other than NL only leagues. I, I really think he's got enough upside to where I'd be stashing him in 10-team leagues if I could right now. Uh, not sure when he's going to be up, but at a certain point, it's just going to be like, all right, well, how much <laughs> how much more can we leave him at AAA? I mean, these, these pitchers need a break. Uh, he's just doing so much work down there. Uh, so he would be my top guy. Kyle Tucker right behind him. I think he needs to be rostered in in 12 team leagues right now. And then on the pitching side, it's, it's Zach Gallen watch and it's been Zach Gallen watch uh, of the Marlins for, for a while now. I mean, he just continues to have great start after great start. I, I did a kind of deep dive on him a, a few weeks ago. You know, I think his stuff is just, if you look at kind of any public scouting report on Zach Gallen, the stuff's just better than than it is on those preseason scouting reports. It started in spring training when he was hitting 96, 97 with his fastball after being a low 90s guy for several years. And, you know, I think he's got a plus changeup. I think uh, the cutter and the uh, slider are, or the cutter and the curveball are, are solid pitches. And to me, he's a guy that even in 12-team leagues right now, if you're hurting for pitching, you should be stashing him. Uh, Alvarez and Gallon both not on the 40-man roster, which complicates things slightly, but I think they're both just too good. They're, they're playing too well right now to keep them down. And with Gallon, it's just so impressive that he's had this much success given how hard it is to pitch at AAA right now. I mean, there's so many good pitchers at AAA right now that have horrible numbers, and Gallon's got amazing numbers. Uh I mean, he's the top pitcher for me by by quite a ways. If he's already rostered, Dylan Cease would probably be a guy I would take a look at. But, um, you know, after that, guys like Kevin Biggio. I loved Jorge Mateo as a stash a couple weeks ago, but Jerks and Profar has kind of turned things around a little bit of late, so that might not be imminent necessarily. So uh, I'd, I'd prefer to stash a guy like Kevin Biggio over Mateo at this moment. Uh, but there's there's just a few guys for you. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Zach Gallon and Mateo are a couple I've picked up over the last few weeks. Um, just a couple names you have on this list, just out of curiosity. We, I briefly mentioned Tyler Beatty earlier. Watching his first two appearances, it's, it's 
some really good stuff, some really, really scary stuff. One was in Great American Small Park. I'll give the benefit of the doubt on that one. The last start, not so much. Um, we're already talking Sean Anderson. Is there any desire to go take a chance on a guy like Tyler Beatty besides the fact that streaming in uh, AT&T? Not, not for me. I mean, I, yeah. I think I listed him as a stash just because I think I knew he was coming, coming up. up. Um, yeah, I don't even have him. I haven't had him on my top 400 in, in a while. Um, yeah. So it, it, to me, he's a reliever long-term. I mean, the command is just awful. The stuff is nasty, like you said, but the, the command is just not going to be where it's going to need to be for him to start. The, the other guy I want to ask you about here, here because he's not really a, like, well, he is, but some don't consider him a prospect because we've seen him quite a while. But you do have a name here that you can definitely stash, and he's available even in NFBC leagues, Nick Pavetta. And we've seen him playing well in AAA. Um, is, do, do you have any kind of feeling of when we might see him again or like out of all these guys you mentioned, like do you, would you rather have Dylan Cease or Nick Pavetta type thing? I'd rather have Dylan Cease. Uh, obviously, I mean, the White Sox have no shortage of openings in their rotation. So I think it's true. a pretty clear path for him whenever they decided the, the time is right. Um, I mean, Pavetta, you know, you look at what he's done at AAA, he's striking guys out, but, He's had three walks in all, all four of his starts. Uh, just really, really struggling to control the ball. And, yeah, I mean, I think he's a – at this point to me, he's kind of a borderline stash in 15-team leagues. I, I know there's some uh, people holding on because they they thought Pavetta was a, a really great breakout candidate. They probably took him as, like, their SP3 or SP4, and they don't want to cut the cord just yet. But even when he's back, he's still going to have bad starts. He's going to have good starts, but he, it's not going to be just smooth sailing. It's not like he's going to be a fixed pitcher. And I think at, at a certain point, they might just come to the conclusion that he just doesn't fit as a starter for them long term. So to me, he's kind of a borderline hold in 15-team leagues. And all that Nick Pavetta and Shane Bieber steam this uh, draft season. That's been quite the uh, interesting development there. All right, let's get to your top 400 list. It's always one of the most in-depth, awesome lists I look at on uh, Prospect News, and you you updated it recently like you were talking about. And honestly, just out of curiosity, how long does it take you to redo this list? Because like you put in a lot of context to this list. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> you know, it probably – for this update – it probably took around 30 hours. Um, I, you know, you got to first, I kind of go through and find all the prospects who aren't on the list that I think have a case to be on the list. And then, you know, that, that within and of itself takes uh, at least a couple days. And then, you know, adding, then I, then I go through and I reorder, everyone that's currently on the list and figure out who the guys that I'm going to push out are. That takes another, another couple of days. And, and then I slot in the, the new guys. So yeah, I mean, this, this update definitely took a lot of time, but it, it felt good when it was done. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's time consuming, but when, when I'm done, I feel really proud of it. And I wanted to do an extremely thorough job on it just because I knew I wasn't going to be doing much with it for the next few weeks as I get ready for the draft. So 
um, you know, a lot of work, but I, I hope it's helpful. I mean, there were, there were a lot of big risers, a lot of guys where, you know, when I was done with the update, I went and checked my dynasty leagues and there were, you know, over a dozen guys in my top 200 that were available in very competitive dynasty leagues. So I think it should be a pretty good resource for people. Yeah, it's a great resource. Uh, you mentioned some big risers. We don't have to talk about the big fallers because that's kind of, you know, negative Nancy stuff. People can check it out if they want. There are some names that surprise me that uh, maybe some other time we could sit and, and, and chat about, but I'll, I'll read up on it some more. It'll probably make a lot more sense when I look at it. But let's talk about some of the risers. Uh, there are some very interesting names here. What are maybe one or two risers that kind of, you know, have really surprised you and, and part of the reason why they earned that rise in your rankings? Sure. Well, one guy who it didn't necessarily surprise me because I've I've liked him for a while, but it, it probably surprised a lot of people is Jake Fraley, who was kind of the, the key piece that Tampa Bay got back or that uh, Seattle got back from Tampa Bay in the Mike Zanino trade. He's a center fielder, uh, at least a plus runner, maybe maybe a, a touch faster than that. He's just got – I think he's got a, a, at least a plus hit to him. I mean, the guy just hits scorching line drives all over the field, uh, developing power, probably above average power. And I just – to me, the, the only thing that I really need to see from Jake Fraley is how does he do against AAA pitching because he's still a double A. And then can he stay healthy for a full season? Because the reason he's 24 and at double A is because he's missed so much time early in his career with injuries has nothing to do with how he's performed when he's been out there. He's been pretty much awesome at, at every level. Uh, just need to see a full season from him. But I, I really think there's a, I mean, he's, he's their center fielder of the future. Malik Smith's going to be a fourth outfielder for them long-term. And I think we see fairly in the big leagues in the second half of this season. And so that's, that's one guy. Uh, another guy that I was surprised by, and I was really pissed that people beat me to him in all my dynasty leagues is Lolo Sanchez. Who's a outfielder with the pirates. He had a ton of hype coming into last year, uh, was a, was a high pedigree international signee for them, but he struggled in his first taste of low a this year. It's been a, a completely different story. He's, I think he's 20, uh, maybe he's about to turn 20, but He's got plus speed. He's got a really good hit tool. He makes contact at an elite clip. Um, maybe one of maybe like a leadoff hitter who steals twenty to thirty bases, chips in ten home runs, that type of thing. So Lolo Sanchez was a guy who had fallen completely off my list at some point last season just because of how how poorly he was playing at low A. But he's back on there. He's back inside the the top one twenty five. Uh, I like that. That was a game that I had to look up. Uh, this offseason in a dynasty league, I was taking over a team and people were offering me this, that, and the other. And Lolo uh, was a name that was offered a few times from one guy. And I was trying to figure out who he was and everything I looked at didn't look great. And to leave, needless to say, he's not on my roster right now. So <laughs> that's kind of a bummer, but uh, I might have to go try to snag him before everybody else kind of figures all that out. Uh, a name on your pitching risers. I'm just curious what your, your thoughts are on him and maybe when we see him, if it's this year, next year, um, Nate Pearson, we saw him in the Arizona Fall League. He just throws absolute gas. Uh, Pete Alonzo took him deep, but he's been pitching really well again this season. Uh, what's your, your kind of outlook on a guy like Nate Pearson? Yeah, they've been doing a really uh, 
creative thing with him this year where he throws five innings, one start, two innings, the next start, five innings, the next start, two innings, the next start. Uh, it's just a, a way to keep him on turn but limit his, his innings this year because obviously he didn't throw much last year because of injuries. Uh, you know, the, the off-speed stuff really surprised me. I, I think he's got a plus changeup now. It obviously helps that you're, you're touching triple digits with ease. That, that helps your changeup. Uh, play up a little bit because hitters are just they have to get ready for that fastball and then they look stupid with with any kind of a changeup. but um i you know he's been throwing strikes like that that's that's another thing that sort of surprised me is i thought the command would uh, or the control would take a little bit longer to develop for him i think we probably don't see him until early next season i think he's going to be a guy who gets drafted in redraft leagues as a stash guy right out of the gate because we're sort of expecting him to join the big league rotation in, in April or something like that. There's a chance he's in the big leagues this year, but I mean, it's the Blue Jays. I mean, we saw how they handled Brad Jr. You could argue they stunted his development by, by how long they kept him down. And I would expect them to kind of do the same with Pearson. Yeah, they have no incentive to bring him up besides making the fans happy. And why would they do that? So, um, yeah, they have that. Uh, last thing I'll ask here, and then everybody else can go check out the, the rankings and the updates and go over to Rotowire and get all that good news. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to involve your rankings per se, your update, but I was looking at your rankings while you were talking. And, and a name I, I wanted to ask you about was Casey Mize. We know what he's doing in the minors. Uh, Matt Manning for the Tigers as well, pitching really well. Tigers also have nothing to really gain or lose, I guess, by bringing these guys up early. Do you think we see either one of those guys sometime this year? Yeah, you know, I I actually I take a sort of a different view with pitching prospects than I do hitting prospects. I I think teams or not every not every team's going to think this way, but I think a lot of teams really don't mind starting the clock on a pitching prospect because I mean, we're with hitting prospects we're like, well, you know, we want that extra year of control 7 years down the road or whatever. But the pitching prospect, I mean, you just want to get those bullets. You want you you want to get as much out of that guy before he he completely breaks down as you can, and I think that there's there's something to be gained by having Casey Mize and Matt Manning get their feet wet in the big leagues this year. Uh, we saw the Tigers; they started Christian Stewart's clock in September last year. I didn't think there was any way he was going to be up. I knew he had to be added to the forty man roster in the off season, but I just figured, you know, why why bring him up just for for a few weeks in September? Uh, they did that with him, and their—I mean, their rotation's just in complete shambles right now. I think it—it it would be good for both Mize and Manning's development to to get their feet wet in the big leagues, probably in the second half of this season, as long as they both stay healthy, as long as they both uh, continue to dominate the way they have. So they are guys that I are going to be—you know—they're not—they're not guys that I'm stashing right now in 15-team leagues. Although I do have. Uh, $1 bids on both of them to stash in an 18-team mixed league I'm in. Uh, I do think they're both going to be up this year if they stay healthy. I think they're both – I mean, I, I like Manning a tiny bit more just because I think he has more strikeout upside. I, I think they're both really, really elite pitching prospects. Uh, I think I have Manning as my fourth best pitching prospect. Mize is my fifth best pitching prospect. They're They're both studs. I think if they're healthy, they're going to be up at some point this season. I like it. I like it a lot. 
All right, James, that'll wrap us up for tonight's episode. It's always a pleasure talking prospects with you. Uh, before we sign off, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and what else you got going on over there at Rotowire? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I try to respond. So if you if you have any questions, there's probably the best place to get a hold of me. Uh, and then, yeah, Rotowire.com. You can get, uh, if you go to rotowire.com slash radio, you can get a free 10-day trial without a credit card and check out all the, the top 400, the hard hit data for minor league players. You don't even need to keep keep the subscription after that if you don't want to. But, um, yeah, I mean, rotowire.com, Twitter, at Anderson. Awesome, man. I appreciate it, as always. Always a pleasure. So everybody go check him out on Twitter and on great work over there at Rotowire. But that'll wrap us up this week. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 171 with James Anderson and Rotowire talking MLB prospects. Catch you guys later.